Welcome to today's show. I am your host, Michael Aceta, founder of Matador Canine Brilliance, author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes, and the host of the Acknowledged Dogs podcast. If you don't know who I am, I've trained over 12,000 dogs fixing problem behaviors, aggression. I've worked with police and service dogs, and I'm here to help you build a better relationship with your dog. Today, we are talking about eight, eight rules, steps, concepts, whatever you want to call them, the eight rules of having a solid walk with your dog. Now, I know I've talked about this topic a lot lately, but these eight rules will really break it down for you, and I'm, I'm quite proud of these eight rules. If you follow all of them, if you really dedicate yourself to following these eight rules, you will have a wonderful walk with your dog that is not stressful, they're not pulling you, they're actually engaged, and you can ask them to do things in the event that you need to. Again, you could get rid of the leash, which is always my end goal when it comes to working with my dog, especially when it comes to working off-leash. Clearly, right? If they're going to be off-leash, I want them to be able to do it off-leash. Now, my goal about having a dog be off-leash, just as a side note, is for emergency purposes. Yes, there are leash laws, right? Your dog's got to be on a leash. If we go to a park, I can use a long line. But emergency-wise, if my dog ran out of the house, the leash broke, whatever happened, I don't want my dog running away from me right away. I want my dog to act as if nothing has changed. If we can do that, if we can have that level of engagement, then what would be the point of a leash? Here we go. Here are the eight rules, okay? Number one, prepare yourself before the walk. Mentally, physically, have the equipment that you need. Mentally prepare yourself for the walk. Number two, have an idea of how the walk will go. Now, as a Boy Scout in my younger years and as a martial artist, I always wanted to know what was going to happen. I'm going to dive in a little bit more depth on each of these, but I want to give you all eight of them right now. All right, so have an idea of how the walk will go. I had to think about everything, right? As a martial artist, I'm like, okay, something's coming in. I have to know what I need to do. If I'm uncertain about something, I'm going to panic. I'm going to freak out. I need to be sure and prepared for what's going on. So those two kind of go together. Number three, build engagement before going anywhere. Second you step out of the door, you should be trying to engage with your dog. Number three, stop off. I'm sorry, number four, stop often and re-engage. Stop often and re-engage. Number five, walk at a comfortable pace. If you can walk at a comfortable pace, one, it's going to be more enjoyable for you, and two, your dog's actually learning. We're going to go over how that works in a little bit. Don't go further than your dog can handle. This is talking about distance and duration, one of the variables we talk about when we're teaching our dog any behavior, any skill. Come back before you think you should. Come back before you think you should. This is huge for reactive dogs. And number eight, end with engagement and fun. End with engagement and fun. I'm going to run through them again. Prepare yourself before the walk. Have an idea of how the walk will go. Build engagement before going anywhere. Stop often and re-engage. Walk at a comfortable pace. Don't go further than your dog can handle. Come back before you think you should and end with engagement and fun. Those eight rules, if you really follow them every single time you go for a walk, and this is, this is kind of one of those things that you can build into your routine. Being prepared for the walk doesn't mean sitting down and meditating. Have an idea of how the walk will go. If you do the same walk every single day, then you know how it's going to go, right? But let's kind of break down each of these steps, okay? Now, I'm going to break down these eight steps, but if eight steps is too much for you, I do have a PDF on three steps, the three steps to having a nice, peaceful walk. It doesn't go as much depth as this video, but if you want simple, simple steps to guide you through the process, click the link in the description for a peaceful walk in just three steps, all right? Take advantage of that. So prepare yourself before the walk. This is mental. This is, you know, equipment-wise. Do I have a harness? Do I have a leash? 
Am I mentally prepared to train my dog? Do I have treats? Do I have a treat pouch? Do I have my clicker? All of these things are going to contribute to your dog's success. What I mean by that is if you go into the walk thinking, my dog's going to pull the whole time. They're going to pull the whole time and I'm, I'm angry about it. I'm frustrated about it. Just, oh, why won't they listen to me? You're putting that energy and that thought process into the walk, which means that's what's going to happen. And it's not this law of attraction type thing. It's just whatever you focus on is what's going to happen. It's just life, right? If, I, if you focus about getting in a car accident, eventually you're going to get into a car accident. It's just bound to happen. You're focusing on it too much. But if you just look straight ahead, you're enjoying the walk. This is why Cesar Milan's walks always work so well. Just the, the mental capacity of it. Not the correcting the dog and, and all that kind of stuff. But pick your head up, look straight forward. You're a king. You're a queen. Walk with pride and your dog will follow. That kind of leadership doesn't necessarily apply to the walk. We still have to teach them how to walk next to us. But that energy is what I want you to bring to the table when you're preparing yourself for the walk. What treats do you have? What treats should you have? Very different. What treats do I have and what treats should I have? Oftentimes, my clients start off with treats that they bought at the store, and it was $12 a bag. They're like, well, well you know, it was expensive, or it was $20 a bag, whatever it is. And they're like, well, that's what I'm going to use because that's what I bought. Is that really what your dog likes? We go in a little bit more depth about preference testing in that actual link in the description, that PDF guide. But you got to find out what your dog really loves, and you should have that when you're going for a walk, especially if your dog is no good at walking on the leash. So number two, have an idea of how the walk will go. You can just pull up Google Maps. Okay, I'm going to go this way. I'm going to make a right. I'm going to come back. I'm going to make a left. Know where you're going. Oftentimes, I have to help people kind of lay out their map and go, okay, that area right there is way too stimulating for your dog. You should not go near the dog park. You should not go near the university because you live near a college. There's just too much going on, and your dog already can't focus. we got to keep it simple. Sometimes I'll have them just walk around in the backyard. That's most of the time where we start. Just have your dog walk around in the backyard. Get them accustomed to walking next to you and being confident and comfortable in that position wherever you want them to be. And then we can start adding in the distractions later. But you should know how the walk is going to go before you start actually going there. Number three, build engagement before you go for the walk. People typically, and I bring this up in the dog training cheat codes in the book. We actually talk about this exact topic. Build engagement before you go. People will typically build engagement before the door. When you should be building it after the door. What do I mean by that? You go to the front door. Your dog's all leashed up. They got their harness on. They're ready to go. They're jazzed. They're dancing. They're, they're all excited. You go to open the door. They shoot out. And then you go for the walk. What did they learn? Shooting out of the front door with all that excitement and effort and motivation is exactly the key to going for the nice walk. As opposed to what we talk about in the dog training cheat codes, Going out the front door, turning around, and having them focus directly back on to you. Now, in the dog training cheat codes, we talk about picking the right thing you should be working on, despite what everybody else works on. It's picking the right thing that makes all of the difference. If you want to get the first chapter of the dog training cheat codes, 100% free, first chapter, click the link in the description. The description. <laughs> description. The description you can get the first chapter of the dog training cheat codes 100 free i want to see you succeed hopefully you like it and hopefully you'll buy the rest of the book <laughs> and support me and the growth of matador canine brilliance but click the link in the description for the first chapter of the dog training cheat codes 100 free so build that engagement right when you walk out of the door you're already on the front lawn 
you shouldn't go anywhere until your dog is locked onto you. This might take a couple minutes. Sometimes it might take 20 minutes. Sometimes that might be your walk. Do that a couple days in a row, and your dog will get used to it. Oh, we go out the door, and I immediately turn around, and I look at my owner. Now I can go for the walk. And that becomes rewarded. The act of re-engaging with you gets rewarded because it's what's happening every single time. Number four, stop often and re-engage. When I used to intern with the guide dog facility, we stopped at every single curb. Now, yes, it was important because they're a guide dog. They have to stop at the curb so that the handler could reward the dog and then give further instructions, whether it was safe to cross the street or not. But that was a perfect opportunity to re-engage. Why did those dogs love working so much? Because they were getting a lot of treats. They didn't get fat, but they were getting plenty of treats. And they were constantly re-engaged with the handler, constantly. So when you're going for your walk, you might do every 10 to 20 steps. Stop, look at them, they look up at you, give them a treat, good, now we can continue. Stopping often and re-engaging with them is a great way to break the monotony of taking a couple steps, step, 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 going, okay, we've done two and a half miles and I haven't paid my dog. Eventually your dog's going to give up on focusing on you. We got to reward them. Often, stop and re-engage. Number five, walk at a comfortable pace. When I first started training dogs, I was racing, racing my dog. And I, I mean racing. Because in my head, I got to have the dog next to me. I got to have them right at my side, right at my hip. So I would walk faster because that was the natural pace of my dog. But what did that make my dog do? Walk faster. And now I walk faster to try to keep up. And so they walk faster. And I've seen people do this. They want to have the dog there so badly because that's what they've been told is the right thing. And it's not necessarily true. Your dog could walk anyway. But we'll say that we want them at our side. If you're racing, they're going to race. And what ends up happening is you're walking at an uncomfortable speed and your dog will switch between a walk and a jog, especially if you have a tiny dog. Now, some tiny dogs, you could walk really slow and your dog is still walking on a jog. But if they're stuck in this middle space between walking and jogging, they're going to be like hiccuping and, and, and skipping, and it's very awkward for them. It's very uncomfortable for you. Slow down. <clears throat> Excuse me. Slow down. If you're comfortable, it's much easier to reward your dog, and it's much easier for them to slow down as opposed to speed up and not get into that jog. I'd much rather have my dog take a couple steps, stop, and wait for me, have me catch up, and then they can take a couple steps and stop and wait for me if they really want to move that fast. Having them stop can be an obedience routine. We'll go on a side tangent here for just a second. You can do what I like to call obedience walks. So you can have them go out. You can actually tell them, go. They go forward. You have them sit. Now you catch up to them. You can tell them down. You walk past them, and then you recall them. That's a great routine, especially if you have a high-energy dog. You might want to do that in the beginning of the walk to build the engagement. All right? It all comes together. You've built the engagement. Hold on. Let's, let's go back through. The obedience walk would be perfect for this. Prepare yourself before the walk. So have an idea of what obedience you're going to do. Have an idea of how the walk will go. Okay, I'm going to do obedience for five minutes, and then I'm going to do a walk for 20 minutes, and then the end, the last 10 minutes I'm going to do obedience because you want to make that sandwich. Build engagement before going anywhere. Build engagement before going anywhere. That would be perfect for the obedience walk. I'm going to do obedience in the beginning. I'm going to do obedience at the end. Stop often and re-engage. So if I'm having my dog sit and look at me, they're engaged, 
right? Then I stop with them. I have them down. I can give them a treat for the sit and the down. And then I can go forward and have them recall. I'm engaged that whole time. The whole time we're engaged. Walk at a comfortable pace. You're walking at a comfortable pace despite what your dog might be doing because you're in control at a distance under these different variables. You know exactly what's going on, so you can kind of control the pace. Now, number six. Number six is don't go further than your dog can handle. So the obedience walks works great for all eight of these, but I just wanted to give you a little uh, <laughs> a little obedience walk push. If you're not doing obedience walks, this would be a perfect way to do it. Don't go further than your dog can handle. This means if you plan to do a 45-minute walk and your dog can really only focus for 25 minutes, do 20-minute walk twice or three 15-minute walks. That is more productive, much more efficient than doing one 45-minute walk. Well, I don't have time for a 45-minute walk. Great, do two 40-minute walks. I'm sorry, do two 20-minute walks. That's 40 minutes, and you save five minutes in between. So you do 20-minute walk. You go back to your house, sit down for five minutes, and then you practice the whole routine again. The more repetitions you get, the more success they get, and the more confident they are. Confidence comes from repeated success. Confidence comes from repeated success. So if you're not repeating it, they're not going to become confident with it. And if they're not confident in the behavior, they're going to try other things. Pulling, lunging, snapping, barking, whatever it is. Confidence comes from repeated success. So don't go further than your dog can handle. Number seven, come back before you think you should. These kind of go together. Now, if you have a reactive dog, you might have in your mind, okay, I'm going to go a mile and I'm going to come back. But if anything's going on that you're like, mm, man, you know, it, it's just not their day. They're not doing well today. I don't want to push them. I don't want to have a problem. Because if we break that threshold, the entire walk back is going to be a struggle. You might have gotten a mile away from your house and the dog's doing perfect, but you got to go back a mile. You don't got the car with you. You can't just throw them in the car and go home. You don't have an exit strategy. So it would be much easier to say, okay, I'm going to go back before I think I should. I mean, maybe I could push it a little bit. No. Stop what you're doing. Go back before you think you should. And number eight, end with engagement and fun. This is where that obedience comes back into play. If it, obedience is fun, it shouldn't be punishing to your dog. Right? I say sit. They should be excited to sit. They should go, oh, man, I got to sit. So obedience can be engaging and fun at the end of your walk. Do you remember all eight rules? Prepare yourself before the walk. Have an idea of how the walk will go. Build engagement before going anywhere. Stop often and re-engage. Walk at a comfortable pace. Don't go further than your dog can handle. Come back before you think you should and end with engagement and fun. All of that can be solved with an obedience walk. I'm going to do obedience on my walk. I'm going to build engagement. I'm going to be prepared and know the routines that I'm going to do. And I'm going to change the routines every time I go for a walk. Otherwise, my dog will get used to it. Right? I'm going to stop off and I'm going to keep myself at a comfortable pace. And you should have this. Print this out. Put it on your phone. Write all these down. And when you're out for the walk, okay, am I stopping often and re-engaging? You could set a timer. Every 10 minutes, I'm going to stop and re-engage. I'd probably do every five minutes at first, maybe even every two minutes at first. Oftentimes, we start the walk with engagement. What was that? <laughs> if you're watching this on YouTube, you're, you're seeing my weird hands. If you're listening to this on the podcast, the Acknowledge Dog podcast, then you have no idea what I'm doing, but my hand made a very weird motion. <laughs> If the beginning of the walk, you're doing all this engagement, and then you run out of treats, and you got to do 45 minutes of walking with your dog that doesn't have treats, you can't reward them, you can't reinforce them, you don't even have a toy, 
I would have gone back home. I would have stopped because I ran out of treats. Actually, I would have been prepared and said, hey, I know I'm going to run out of treats in two blocks. Either one, let me pick up more treats, or two, let me stop at one block, make it all the way back, restock on treats. That would be much more effective. Again, confidence is built from successful repetition. It's the only way it's built. All of your confidence in, in anything that you do is built off successful repetition. If you're failing every single time, you're going to degrade your confidence. We don't want to do that with our dogs. We want to build up their confidence. Take advantage of both of the links in the description. One for the three steps to a peaceful walk, where we go over a little bit of this, we go in more depth on some things, and you can get the first chapter of the Dog Training Cheat Codes, 100% free to you. It's a PDF download. 100% free to you, the first chapter of the Dog Training Cheat Codes. See if you like it, and then you can get the full copy, either an ebook version or the physical copy. It's professional trainer secrets to fast and reliable results. I want to thank you guys for stopping in today. Go train your dogs, and I'll see you next time.